Hey, let's get into the word this morning. Last week, we began a month of back to the basic messages that begin with the prayer engaged Christian. I want to ask you a question. Did you pray for me this week? Oh, wonderful. I want you to know I prayed for you. Every morning I got up, I would pray for you as a body. Some of your faces would come to mind. I prayed diligently for you, not only individually, but as a whole. And it's important that we engage in prayer as believers. I believe that in this day and age, um, I don't know what in the world's going on in the earth. Uh, One week, California's on fire. The next week, the coastal states are underwater and uh, then this week, uh, the, the eastern coast is being blown about by wind. Joyce's sister and uh, our brother-in-law and their family live in Fort Lauderdale, uh, just right on the beach. And um, it's, uh, it's quite, quite the thing. And we, of course, are in prayer for all of the people who, who have been uh, just inundated with, with things that normally are not issues for them, at least on a continual basis. Uh, we we took, received an offering last week, and I think we raised uh, over $3,000 to send to a church uh, uh, in, in Texas. And so uh, we're excited about that opportunity. Um, so we talked about the prayer-engaged Christian. We've got to be engaged in prayer. We've got to be believers who are praying. You've got to be praying for your church. You've got to be praying for me. You've got to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for our president and those who are in positions of authority. We need to pray that the will of God be done on the earth. We need to pray that not one thing happened that God has not designed, that God is not in control of. And so I want to remind you that the word engage means to bind by a promise to interlock, to pledge, devotion, to occupy, to connect in in marriage engagement. Um, Two people have have interlocked. And uh, when most people get married, uh, they they think they're getting the ideal. Um, Sometimes they get an ordeal, then they want a new deal. (laughs) True engagement is when you interlock when it's unyielding, when it's connection. Today I want to see, as we continue this month's series on basic messages, um, just in terms of back to the basics, I want to talk about the interlocking engagement of worship. The worship-engaged Christian. The worship-engaged Christian. And to do that, I want to set it up by reading a story out of the message translation. And it's the story of the woman at the well. Let's begin at verse 1 in the book of John chapter 4. Now Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John had performed. And although his disciples, uh, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. I mean, you know, some things never change. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. And to get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noontime. And there was a woman, a Samaritan, who came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. 
The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said, If you knew the generosity of God, and if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I'd give you fresh living water. And the woman said back to Jesus, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you still with me in this story? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Uh, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said back, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. And he said, go call your husband and then come back. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And he said, well, that's nicely put. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. She says, because she's so bright and sharp, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you're called will not matter. Where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. And then in verse 24, God is sheer being itself. Spirit, those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Father, I pray today that the word of the Lord will have free course in me. I pray, Father, that the truth you want us to receive and to put into practice in our lives We'll, we'll get planted deep within our hearts. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two ways to worship, according to this that I just read you, spirit and truth. I'm going to talk about both of those today. I want to begin with worship and the spirit. Now, this first section, worship in the spirit, I'm going to talk you through. The second session, worship in the word, I'm going to teach you through. Now, there seems to be this tension sometimes between word people and spirit people. I smile as I say that because it's really not uh, as bad as it sounds, but some people live their lives cloud floating. Others live their lives book bound. A healthy dose of both should rule the day. But I want to look at what it means to worship engaged in the spirit. In the Spirit-filled Bible, uh, we read these words. 
The true sign of a right relationship to God is not the observance of an external right. That is how you worship. But a manifestation of worshiping God in the spirit refers to one who is alive in the spirit. The Holy Spirit enables our expanded worship expressions in song, in prayer, and in communion with God. So the key phrase in this that we just read is alive in the spirit. What God has always wanted from his people, what he's always wanted from me, what he's always wanted from you, is that he would have our heart. That he would have our heart. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says it's with the heart that man believes. Scripture tells us that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God always has wanted our heart. That's the one thing that he wants out of you is that you give him your heart, that you make yourself vulnerable by saying, Lord, here is the very heart of the very core of who I am. I give it to you. My heart belongs to you. And when we do that, then he uses that same heart to allow us to love him and him to love us back, to allow us to live out the grace of God, the word of God, to receive the salvation of God. It all happens through the heart. So when it comes to our engagement in worship, regardless of how we worship, he wants our heart. Now, what that means is in worship, let's just talk about corporate worship. What that means is no going through the motions. Now, I got to tell you, uh, truth time. Well, should always be truth time, but there have been times when I come to church and the music started and we start to worship corporately and I get halfway through the song and, and realize I have no clue what I just sang. And I certainly wasn't singing it to anyone. I was singing words to a catchy tune. Unless you think I am chief sinner among you, it happens to us all. We find ourselves going through the motions. And when I find myself there, I've got to capture myself and allow my heart then to be captured by God. Here's something else when it comes to heart worship. No external mind battles when it's time for corporate worship. What that means is, I don't like this song. <laughs> or how long are we going to stand? Or why does, why, why does that person wear that shirt? <laughs> Especially on the stage. Ooh, wow. I wore a bright shirt today just to get you. No, no horizontal, no earthly thought that cancels alive in the spirit worship should be allowed. Now, listen, I'm a physical worshiper. 
uh, not as physical as some, but I'm a physical worshiper. And so when I stand to worship, you know, I, I, just, I just have to start moving. I, I, I like to raise my hands and I like to express what's in my heart to the Lord physically. Um, I'm a woohoo worshiper. I mean, I, I like to woohoo. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to worship that way. But that's not what God's looking for, the way that I worship, the external manifestation of my worship. He's looking for heart worship. Amen. That's right. And if he can get heart worship out of my <laughs> or if he can get heart worship out of your stoic, quiet worship, he's good. And so are you. Worship should capture our heart. You know, growing up as a kid, uh, we'd be watching a ball game in, in our house, in our living room, and they would always start the games with the national anthem. And my father, who was a veteran, he would always make his children right there in the living room stand up. Whenever there was the, you know, and here we are all in our living room and we're all standing with our hand over our heart, while they're singing the national anthem. We're honoring the flag. We're honoring our nation. But worship should capture our heart just like that. Whenever you hear the sounds and the tones of worship, whenever you see worship being expressed in a variety of ways, it ought to capture your heart. It ought not make your heart critical. It ought to capture your heart and say, and, and, and saying somebody's worshiping God. I mean, look, I, I've, I've, like you, have worship. I like to sing. I, I kind of feel like I can at least carry a tune somewhat. I like to sing. And so when I sing, I like to sing on key. And many, many times I have been worshiping God and I can hear somebody in a row or two behind me or to the side of me. I mean, way off key. How many of you sat next to those people from time to time? Not this morning, by the way, for those of you. Who... <laughs> but here's the thing. The sound of worship, not the way, but the sound of worship should always capture my heart. I, I should always say, oh, wow, that person is just loving Jesus. Ooh, that is so good. Mm. That is so good. And, and really, it should, because that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who will express worship externally from their heart. And how it comes out, how it sounds, what it looks like, that's, that's, that's not the issue with God. It's the issue with us. It's the issue with, with those of us who figure the way we do it is the best way to do it. But it's not the issue with God. The issue with God is, I just want to know that I have your heart. We read it in the Message Bible. I want to know that I have your heart when you worship. The, the, the second area, and this is where we'll spend a little bit more time. The second area of worship in this story of the woman at the well is worship in the Word. Worship and the Word. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. As you go there, let me remind you of this. When you come to worship, listen, we, we need 
to be in one accord. We need to be in unity. Our heart needs to be filled with the presence of God. We need to worship the Lord in such a way that um, uh, we're not so much concerned about external things, but we're concerned about that which is internal. And when, when the internal is happening in worship, then the eternal begins to happen. And God fills this place and it becomes tangible. It becomes exciting. It, it, be, it becomes a, a place that is, is people want to be. I, I want to be where the presence of God is. Amen. I want to be where God has filled the room and where it's tangible and where I can get some goosebumps and where I can, in my mind, know that... Uh, Man, this, this is where I want to, I want to be, right in the presence of God, telling you how wonderful you are. Yes. We've, we've got to go there, church. But the second part of the story of the woman at the well is worship in the word. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, we read this. A woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, in the first uh, worship in, in the spirit, we saw a woman at the well. Now we see a woman uh, at the, the Pharisee's house. Jesus has come, and he's sitting at the table, and she brings an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, in verse 37, we see three things about this woman. We learn three things about her. The first thing we learn is that she is common. She's a woman in the city. She's an everyday person. It represents you and me. She represents who you and I are. We're just everyday people going about life. And that's what she is, a woman in the city. The next thing that we learn about her is that she's a sinner. That means she has no spiritual standing or has not developed any spiritual gifting in her life. She's a sinner. Then the third thing we learn is that she possessed a treasure. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Some translations say box. In the days of Christ, people had wooden boxes. And in those wooden boxes, uh, they used... Uh, them as containers for their jewels, for their valuables, for their treasures. Um, they would place in there the things that were of, of utmost value to them. For this woman, it was fragrant oil in this alabaster flask. Um, and and she, so she definitely had something expensive, something valuable. She had treasure and resources. But I want you to notice what she does with her treasure with that which is of great value to her. Look at verse 38. She stood at the feet of Christ weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, what does she do with her treasure? She uses it to worship. She uses it to worship. In Scripture, the word treasure is used in many places to represent the Word of God. One such case is found in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, the word hidden 
in verse 11, the original language word for hidden is actually the word treasure. I have treasured your word in my heart. I have placed the treasure of your word in my heart. I have buried the word. I have buried the treasure in my heart. The word is treasure that we plant in our spirits. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 says this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You place the word of God, which is your treasure, in your heart, in your spirit. What does this have to do with the woman with the alabaster flask or the alabaster box, as some translations say? Well, her box is where she hid her treasure. She used her treasure to worship God. My heart is where I have buried the treasure of God's word. When I worship, now, now listen, you got to get this because we're, we're talking about worship. When I worship, I'm putting the word of God at the feet of Jesus. I'm placing as I worship the word of God that I have hid in my heart, the word of God that I'm believing God for, the word of God that I'm expecting to see manifest in my life, the word of God that I'm standing on for the promise to come to pass in my life. When I worship, I am taking out of the buried place my heart, the treasure of the word that I'm standing on, I'm believing for. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to manifest. I'm taking that word out and I'm laying it at the feet of Jesus and honoring not only him, but honoring his word Amen. in worship. And I, I begin today by saying sometimes there's this tension between being a in the spirit Christian and an in the word Christian. And we talk about one, you know, being in the clouds and one being in the book. And when in all reality, we need to be in both places. But sometimes strict word people, letter of the law, it's about the Bible, it's about the word, and that's what I'm going to live on, that's what I'm going to stand on, and that's how we should be, but not at the expense of spirit worship you can have both and and so sometimes on either side of that fence we can get to a place where we miss out we miss out on what god wants us to experience uh, because we're 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 stuck in this place and we're not moving off of it or we're stuck in that place and we're not moving off of it and that's, that's not what God desired for us. In John 4, 23, when we begin this, the scripture says the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth or and in the word or with the word. For the Father is seeking such to worship him in both ways. All I'm saying today is, is this, as we come to worship, I mean, worship out of your heart in any way, in any fashion that you desire, that, that, is, that is who you are. 
Worship God in that way. And if you're worshiping from the heart, no one should criticize you. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're one of these people, never get outside the framework of your body. It's okay. As long as you're from your heart. And, it, and if you're one of these who is, you know, smacking everybody, and it's okay. To a point, it's okay. As long as it's from your heart. You will not get criticism from me as long as it's from your heart. Now, can I say something pastoral for you? And as long as your way of worshiping doesn't keep someone else from worshiping their way. When we are express worship, we're talking about worship in the word. We aren't just saying to the Lord, you're wonderful. We're saying to the Lord, your word is true. I trust you. And all of the promises that you've made to me that I'm standing on, that I'm believing, I lay those at your feet as I worship you. And I want you to know I exalt your word, and, but I exalt you. And I... And I <clears throat> I don't think that God desires that we do one at the expense of the other. Our worship affirms the validity and the faithfulness of God's word. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit, but we must worship him in truth with the word of God. Now remember this. John chapter 1, verse 14, a few chapters earlier, the Bible says that the Word became flesh. So who is the Word? It's Jesus. And He lived among us. He, we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word. So when you are honoring the Word in your worship, you're honoring Jesus Let's move on and, and, and conclude this with John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Let me just take you a step further. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. We're back to the woman at the, at the well. And she's had this encounter with the Lord. And he's talked to her in the context of worship. And he said, the time is coming when, when people will not worship just at one place, but they'll worship out of their heart wherever they are. And then he said this, and that time is now. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. But let me bring this verse into 2017 where we live. I know the word is coming. Or let me say it this way. I know my promise is coming. It's Jesus. It's the word. And when my promise gets here, he will tell us all things. Other translation says he will show me all things. You know, you know, one of the things that happens when you stand on the promise of God and you don't let go. And, and at one at some point it comes to pass. You know what happens when it comes to when it manifests? You look back and you say, oh, I get it. 
I get it now. Now I see why it took so long. Or now I see some of those things I went through, what they were about. I get it. Because there's a journey to standing on the word of God. And when, when it comes to pass, and the promise of God always does, then you can look back and God can show you what you just went through. You didn't understand it when you were going through it, but you look back and say, oh, I get it. I understand it now. Verse 26, Jesus stepped up and said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. In other words, words here. What was he saying? He's saying the promise, you're saying the promise is coming. I'm telling you the promise is here, which is faith. Remember seeing behind the curtains? Remember seeing things that no one else sees? That's, that's faith, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the word is here whether you see it or not. But remember the context of this chapter. It's worship. Then as you go through the rest of this chapter, and I don't have time to do it this morning, but I'm going to ask you to read the rest of the chapter. It, it starts to talk about sowing and reaping and harvesting. But understand, that's all set in the context of worship and the word. Worship in spirit and worship in truth. Worship out of your heart and worship out of the word. And when you do both things, then you're not going to get discouraged about how long it's taking for the promise to come to pass because you're worshiping with the promise. You're worshiping with the word. You're, you're honoring God's word and you're in, 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 and in honoring him in spirit. You're saying how wonderful you are, how great you are. And then when you honor him in truth, you're saying how wonderful your word is. And it's coming to pass. It's, it's so I'm so excited. It is here. It's already here. Amen. Yes. You may not have it in your hands, but you have it in your heart. Amen. That's the kind of worship that Jesus was explaining to the woman at the well. Worship me in spirit. Worship me out of your heart, regardless of, of how anyone else is doing it. And then worship with the word. Worship with the promise. How many of you have something you're just trusting and believing God for? And it's just taking a little while. Yeah, I don't know why things take a little while. Uh, but um, they're, they're coming to pass. They're coming to pass. It, it, it will happen. And so what do you do while you're waiting? Because nobody likes to wait. What do you do while you're waiting for the promise to come to pass? Oh, come on. You, you got to know this by now. I just, spent, I just spent 20 minutes telling you, what do you do when you're waiting for the promise to come to pass? You worship. Worship with the promise. Worship with the word at the feet of Jesus. And do it any way you want to. Any way you want to. So let me say this, church. Spirit worship, heart. Word worship, honoring the word of God. Is something that we have, have as a church, 
need to get, let me just say, better at. We need to get stronger in. It's a better way to put it. We, we need corporately together um, to, to not let anything affect the times we come together to worship corporately. Let's not any, let anything affect or disannul the power that God has given us to do what it is we do when we come together in the name of the Lord to worship. Say it in spirit and in in and in one more time in and in truth. And when you're worshiping in spirit, you're worshiping out of your and when you're worshiping the word, you're laying what at the feet of Jesus? The word, the promise of God. I believe we can all do that. Let's stand together. Hey, let's just take 30 seconds, can we? Let's take 30 seconds. I told you last week, take two minutes to pray. How many of you took two minutes a day to pray? Two minutes a day. <clears throat> Come on, you can do 30 seconds of worship. Let's worship the Lord. If you want to worship him in spirit for 30 seconds, go for it. If you want to lay the, the promise of God at the feet of Jesus and thank him that it's coming to pass, Go for it. But let's just worship the Lord together. Come on. Oh, Father, we come together to worship and honor you. We lay at the feet of Jesus the promise of God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that every promise in the book is mine. I thank you, Lord, that you are my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. I thank you for your faithfulness. I honor you. I honor your word today. I worship you out of my heart to tell you how great you are and so thankful that the word you have promised to me is coming to pass in my life every day, every day, every moment. Oh, I honor and bless the name of Jesus. <clears throat> amen and amen. Close your eyes for just a moment if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, perhaps you, you're not able to worship God, the one who created you, the one who put a plan, detailed plan for your life together and is ready to release it. You're not ready to, to, to worship the Lord. You're not ready to receive his plan for your life because you don't know him. Oh, it's time for you to know him today. This is the day the Lord has made. He made it for you. It's a day of salvation, the Bible says. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, well, what does that mean, Pastor? When Adam sinned, sin came upon all of mankind. When Adam sinned, it caused a separation between God and man. The holiness of God and the sinful nature of man could not coexist. They could not mingle. They could not touch each other. And so we became separated from the one who created us, who loved us, who put a plan together for our life. And when we became separated, God, who loved us so much, sent his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth. He became the word of God in the flesh. He walked on the earth like us. He was subject to temptation just like us. He lived as a man on the earth and yet without sin. He climbed up on a cross. He was cruelly, violently 
put to death on that cross. Blood oozed out of his body. But that blood was the admission price for our entrance into heaven, into eternal life. That blood was the price for us to be brought back into right relationship with the Lord. And so today, if you don't have a relationship with God, or if your relationship with God is, is, is not right, at one time you served Him, but you're not serving Him today, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and rose again. And if you'll do that, the Bible says as you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. I want to pray for you. If this is the condition you are in, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. You need Jesus. You need Christ. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, if you're here and you're not right with God and you want to be, and you want me to pray with you, I want you right now with great boldness, lift your hand up high and wave it at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Who else? Pastor, pray for me. I want to get right with God. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Anyone else? Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make Jesus Lord. Anyone here? Anyone at all? All right. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone pray it with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for being the Lord of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again. And today, come to live in my life as Lord and Savior. And from this day on, I will serve you all the days of my life. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.